All right, I want to talk about the work that Jesus did on the cross this morning. As I have said many times, we celebrate the cross and the resurrection every Sunday. That's the reason why we're here. But this is the week to specifically commemorate that on the calendar. And so I want to focus in on that because that's what we're doing. So this morning I specifically want to talk about the exchange that was made at the cross. If you have paid attention, you've heard me pray it numerous times over the years. I don't think I've specifically preached on it as a topic, um, but you probably heard me say some of these things through the years many times. Some of these scriptures will be very familiar to most of you, but I just want to talk about all of the good things that Jesus had that he gave us and all of the bad things that we had that he took from us at the cross. The exchange that he made, the trade that he made, the swap out, if you will, that he became everything bad that we were, and God killed him. And we get to become everything good that he is, and God makes us alive. Amen. All right, let's look at the first one. He took our sin and gave us his righteousness. That's one of the exchanges that he made at the cross, is that we got, he got our sin and we got his righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus, who knew no sin, who had never sinned, who had never experienced sin, became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. Thank you. Notice that the beauty of what that verse says, that God did not just put our sin on Jesus and then kill Jesus in punishment for our sin. That's maybe a part of what happened, but it said, this verse says Jesus became our sin, and God killed sin on the cross. Sin was executed. And we are not just made righteous like, okay, God wipes our sin off the record and we are excused from the consequences of our own actions. We become the righteousness of Christ. Our state of existence is, is the righteousness of God. That's amazing. That is just one of the exchanges that Jesus made at the cross. He took our sin and God killed it. And we get the righteousness of God in Christ when we didn't have it. Another exchange that was made at the cross is that Jesus took our blame and gave us forgiveness. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned, every one, to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So as I said with the previous verse, it is true that God laid our sin on him. This verse says that. But 2 Corinthians says it's even more than that. Jesus became our sin. This verse says that Jesus took our sin on himself. He took our blame. And we 
get forgiveness. Jesus took the sin and punishment that we deserve, and we get the forgiveness and mercy that he deserved. As the next scripture says, Ephesians 1.4, He chose us, God, that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. We are without blame after the cross. Those of us who are in Christ and all are welcome, but those who are in Christ are without blame because Jesus took the blame for us. And God treated him at the cross, God treated him like we deserve, and we get everything Jesus deserves. At the cross, another exchange that was made was that Jesus was rejected so that we can be accepted. He took the rejection God should have given us. God should have cast us out of his presence for all of eternity. But he doesn't do that because Jesus already took it. Jesus was rejected, and we, who should have been rejected, Jesus exchanged that for the acceptance that he has as the perfect son of God. In Matthew 27, 46, this is on the cross. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's quoting from Psalms, but he's shouting at his father from the cross, and he says, God, why have you turned away from me? It was the first time that the father and son were separate. Since before time began, they were one. As he had prayed the night before in the garden, there's a two-chapter prayer recorded in John 16 and 17, and it's mostly about Jesus praying, he and the father are one. And on the cross, when God imputed or laid on him our sin, God rejected him. And that was completely voluntary on Jesus' part. He could have stayed in the good favor of God. He could have, and he would have been completely acceptable and perfect. And we would have kept our rejection. And we would never have had any way to be forgiven or washed clean or allowed into the presence of God. But Jesus took our rejection, and we get accepted, as the next verse says. Ephesians 1, 4-6. God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. God predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, by which he made us acceptable or accepted in the beloved, that Je- through Jesus we were made acceptable or accepted to God. That exchange that was made at the cross is that He took our rejection and we got His acceptance. Another exchange that happened is that death got Jesus and God got us. Mark ten forty five says the Son of Man. This is Jesus speaking of Himself. He says the Son of Man came to give His life as a ransom for many. We were being held ransom. It wasn't a kidnapping. We had sold ourselves to the devil. The devil did not kidnap Adam and Eve. He tricked them and they gave humanity and the earth to him. But we're still being held ransom. God wanted us back and Satan said, no, they are legally mine. And if you want them back, you're going to have to pay. 
And God said, all right, I will pay. And Satan said, I want your life. And God said, okay, I'll do it. They're that important. I will become a man, and I will die. He let death take him, and we who were held by death, Scripture says, living all our life in fear of death, we get life. He who never ever would have been touched by death made himself a mortal man and voluntarily died on our behalf, gave himself to death so that death would have to give us up. Come on, that's, that's really, really good stuff. That's some, that's some good words. They're not mine. They're God's. Another exchange is that he was beaten so that we can be healed. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 says, Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains, and by his stripes we are healed. His body was whipped and nailed and crowned with thorns. He was punched. He was slapped. He was stabbed. His body was ripped up so that ours can be healed. This is brought into the New Testament by Peter. 2.24 Who himself bore our sins on his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. As we have prayed for healing over the years, if you've had me pray for you, you have heard me pray this verse over you. It does no good to pray wishful prayers. It does no good to pray prayers that we hope or want to come true. We have to pray according to what has God actually said. And sickness and pain and death all came into the world through our sin, and we own it, and we deserve it. We deserve it. And we have no right to pray for healing unless somebody paid for it. I said, unless somebody paid for it. And he did. He didn't deserve to be cut open. He didn't deserve to have his body busted up. He didn't deserve to have his blood poured out. But he did because he was paying for something. By his stripes, the whip marks on his back, he bought our healing. He traded his wholeness and eternal life for our sickness and pain. He bore them to the cross and they were put to death. He paid for it. It was a legal and righteous exchange that took place at the cross. Another exchange that happened is that God took out his judgment on Jesus. Jesus took the judgment that we deserved. He took the wrath of God and we got peace with God that we did not deserve. Isaiah 53, 5, and 10. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement or the whipping or the punishment, you can translate that word several different ways. It literally means whipping or beating. The whipping for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. It pleased the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin. Jesus took the wrath of God on himself. All of God's hatred and all of the just judgment and punishment of sin of the entire world. Scripture says the weight of the sin of the world. 
was put on Jesus and God took it all out on him so that we can have peace. He didn't deserve it and neither did we. I mean, he didn't deserve his punishment and we don't deserve peace. But he exchanged it at the cross. The chastisement or the judgment or the beating or the punishment for our peace was upon him. And because God took out all of his wrath on Jesus, then those of us who are in Christ have peace with God. Romans 5, 1 and 10. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. In Christ, those of us, those of you in the room who have made Jesus your Lord and you have come into Christ, God has zero wrath left. All of the punishment of your personal, individual, specific sins, Jesus took at the cross. And you're at peace with God and God is at peace with you. Verse 10 says, we were enemies. Those outside of Christ still are. Everybody is invited to come in. Those who have said no to Jesus have made themselves the enemies of God. But those who have come into Jesus, we're not God's enemies. He's not angry with us. I said he's not angry with us. I said he's not angry. He is at peace with those who are in Christ. He is at peace. As Heather said, he is very gentle and patient. Very long-suffering in setting us free. Another exchange that he made is he took our sadness and we get his joy. Isaiah 53, again, verse 3. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, well acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Jesus left heaven and all of the glory that that entails which someday we'll know how much he gave up to become a man of sorrows. That's as much his name as any other name that he has in Scripture. The Bible also says he's anointed with joy above all his brethren, but it also says he is the man of sorrows well acquainted or most acquainted with deepest grief. There's nobody sadder than Jesus. Nobody has suffered more pain. There's also no one happier and more joyful. He identifies with us completely. He made himself a man of sorrows on our behalf. He didn't have to, but he came, became well acquainted with the deepest grief that some people have experienced more than others, but I don't think any of us can imagine precisely what it means to have been completely happy and peaceful and glorious in heaven and leave that to become the man of sorrows. And we get joy because he took our sadness and at the cross it was paid for and fulfilled and killed. We get this from Romans 4, 7 and 8. How joyful are those whose lawless acts are forgiven and whose sins are covered. How joyful is the man the Lord will never charge with sin. Hello. Let's read that again. How joyful are those whose lawless acts are forgiven and whose sins are covered. How joyful is the man the Lord will never charge with sin. 
we can be very, very, very happy. Even though we know who we have been and what we have done, we can be very, very, very happy. Because Jesus took all that and killed it. And He bore our sorrows. He carried our griefs. And they're gone. By faith, they are gone. They're buried under His blood. Our lawless acts, our sinful deeds, all of the sorrows and losses and deaths of our past, it's all taken care of. And we can be very, very happy because He took our sorrows. Another exchange that He made is that He became poor so that we can be made rich. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. There it is, as clear as any, it's the divine exchange. That he became poor so that we might be made rich. And lastly, it's a little cliche, but it's very true. That he died so that we can live. He died so that we can live. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 and 10. Our Lord Jesus Christ died for us that we should live together with Him. Every one of us had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us deserves hell. Every one of us has rejected obedience to God, and so we deserve separation from God. And the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel is, the good news is that we, don't, we are not stuck in our disobedience, we're not stuck in our failures, we're not stuck in our addictions and our guilt and our trap. That Jesus took all that at the cross and it's all been paid for. And if you will say yes to Jesus this morning, if you will say, I need that, I deserve all that bad stuff, I deserve to be sad and guilty and broken because I have disobeyed God. If you will say yes to Jesus, you will find that absolutely everything that is broken or addicted or missing or grieving about your life, he already traded it out at the cross. He already paid for it all. And anything we are lacking, he died to provide it. Anything bad that we are stuck in, he died to kill it. Any guilt that we have before God... He took the punishment of that. And we can be joyful and at peace and very much alive and full of hope. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. But God is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our own sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ. Because Jesus died in our place, even though he did not deserve to, we get to live eternally even though we don't deserve to. Come on. Amen. That's good news. That is good news. We do not have to fear death. We do not have to fear God's wrath. We do not have to fear God's disapproval. We don't have to fear hell. You say, but I don't see how that could be possible because I haven't attained to it. Exactly! Jesus 
took everything that he did not deserve so that we can have everything we do not deserve. Jesus took everything we do deserve so that we get everything he deserves. It's the divine exchange. It's the cross where he became sin. He didn't just, the Father did put his, our iniquity on him, but he didn't just take our sin. He became our sin and God killed our sin. It is gone and dead. Joyful is the man who will never be charged by God. Never! If you are not in Christ this morning, we would love to introduce you. We would love that. He is great. We would love to pray with you, to introduce you to the Lord. If you would like to give him your heart and life and be saved from guilt and sin and addiction, and all that stuff. If you have walked with him for maybe for years, but you just struggle with that guilt, that shame before God, that or thinking that you deserve the bad stuff that has happened to you because you're such a slime. Well, you do, but Jesus paid for it. <laughs> we do, but Jesus paid for it. We're free from it all. God says, "Don't take my name in vain." That doesn't mean don't cuss. It means don't take the name of Jesus and then you don't live in what I paid for. Don't take my name and call yourself a Christian and then put up with things that I paid to free you from. That is taking my name in vain. You have my name and you're not using it. I paid for your salvation. I paid for your peace. I paid for your health. I paid for your provision. I paid for your judgment. I paid for every bad thing and I gave you every good thing. Don't take my name in vain. Live in what I paid for. We don't have to put up with anxiety. We don't have to put up with fear. We don't have to put up with depression. We don't have to put up with rage or addiction or grief. We're free from it all because of Jesus. Because he took what he didn't deserve to give us what we don't deserve. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so very much for your death on the cross. Thank you that you drank the cup your father handed you. You drank it to the bottom. Thank you that you were baptized with the baptism that he immersed you in. That you did not give in to fear. You did not give in to cowardice. You did not give in to quitting. But that you persevered clear till the end. You obeyed, the Bible says, you obeyed even unto death. And therefore, your Father has exalted you above the name, every name that is named. Thank you that you didn't quit. That you obeyed your Father. Thank you that you died for us. Thank you that you took our sin. Thank you that you took his wrath. Thank you that you took our infirmities and our sicknesses and our griefs. Thank you that you took death that you paid the ransom price to set us free from all of the darkness and all of the evil that we got ourselves stuck into. And thank you that you give us every good thing that you brought from heaven. You give us peace. You give us joy. You give us forgiveness. You give us life and health and strength and provision every good thing that you had 
you released it as your blood poured out into the earth. You are anointing earth with your Holy Spirit, releasing heaven. Jesus, you are so good, and we thank you from the bottom of our heart for setting us free, for taking all of this punishment on our behalf. And we remember you this week as we commemorate this holy week, this week of crucifixion and resurrection that we celebrate next Sunday. Today we remember the price you paid, the punishment that you took. And next Sunday we remember that none of it stuck, that death could not hold you down, that you were not defeated, that that wasn't the end of the story, that the work is finished, but the story is not, that you came up out of the grave, that death could not hold you, and that you lead us into eternal life. That we have hope that this is not all there is, that there is more. There is life on the other side. Because you were there and you came back and you said, follow me. We say this morning, Lord, yes, we will follow you. Yes, we would follow you anywhere. You alone have the words of life. You are the only Lamb of God, the only one that paid for our sins. We will gladly follow you anywhere. We trust you and we know you're good. We praise your holy name this morning. Amen.